Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and normally I'm with Jason or somebody that's younger than me, but today I'm with somebody older than me, so I'm the younger guy. Not a lot older, though. No, but older. <laughs> and, right. and so I don't get that much, so I got to make a big deal about it, so I'm the younger perspective. I'm with Don Shire, and if you've listened to Younger Older before, we've talked. Uh, Don, bring us up to date. Who is Don Shire? What do you do, and what is going on in Don Shire's world well, uh, right now? It's, a, it's an interesting question you ask because there's quite a bit going on at a time when it seems like most people are kind of dormant. Uh, there, there's a lot of activity going on around our place. Um, we are, you, you, it's kind of funny you talk about the younger, older. Yes, I am just a, I don't know, months. Just a hair older. Month, months older than you. Yes. But, uh, you know, as you get older, you start thinking about what happens after me. Right. And so, you know, when we started Don Shire Ministries, uh, we thought, well, the reason we went with that name is every other name we wanted was taken already. And uh, so I said, let's just call it Don Shire Ministries. No one else wants that name. And that's what it's been all these years. But uh, now at, at the age of 65, uh, the ripe young age of 65, um, I'm starting to think of the future. You know, we support over 600 orphans and widows in uh, wow. India, Haiti, and Honduras, and and other miscellaneous ministries as well. and you start to think, what happens if I have a heart attack tomorrow or, or some incapacitated or, or die? You know, what, what happens to all these kids and all these widows that we're supporting? And, and so we're starting to think about the future. And so we're changing the name of the ministry. It's now Don Shire Ministries DBA, doing business as DSM Inter- right. International. Um, one of the things that when I left the business world, I thought, you know, I really don't want to have employees again. But now I've realized that if the ministry is going to go on, uh, discipleship has to take place. Absolutely. And so I've been asking God for help. And uh, one at a time, he's been bringing people that I could not have recruited myself. They're just so, mm. so qualified for the position. And and so I'm I'm just real excited to see God at work like that. And so... You know, there's still things that are my responsibility, which is good. That means God isn't through with me yet. But uh, but one at a time, he's he's providing people to take care of uh, the different details of running the ministry. Um, what does the ministry do? Well, we, we take care of orphans and widows, okay. uh, over 600 now, uh, orphans and widows that we fully support. Uh, one is a special needs home in Haiti. And then um, in India, it's mostly... Mostly children that were living on the streets, uh, women, women, widows that were living on the streets, and um, for various reasons, and begging. You know, there is no government subsidy right now. Actually, what they're called in India are untouchables, hmm. and and so if you see them coming towards you on the street, you go to the other side because even if they're like, especially the widows, if their shadow touches you, it could bring you bad karma, or oh, bad man. luck. And so they are literally just standing on the street corners with their hands out, just begging for a handful of rice. And and uh, so we, there, there's millions of them, but uh, we're we're helping about 200 and I think it's 224 or 225 right now. Okay, well let me get into your brain on that one. Yeah, because yeah. you're an American. You you actually were a business guy, Chicago area. You uh, you actually worked at a higher end businesses and did things that were impressive in the business world. You had your own studio down there. You're a musician. Mm -hmm. 
you're able to go around the world and actually play your trumpet. I was just telling you, I was watching you at Wheaton College years ago playing on the yeah. stage Someone there. Someone resurrected yeah. one of the old chapels that yeah. uh, I did with a friend. Yeah, so I mean, that, that's fun stuff, and that's stuff your heart's into. But really, as, as I look at all that fame, fortune, all that kind of stuff that Americans just love anyway, you're talking about doing something with your life where you're taking care of widows in other countries and orphans in other countries who have nothing. And obviously, they don't pay you for anything. That's, <laughs> that's not it. So what, what, why your mind frame? Why did you get there? How come you're doing that rather than just staying home, running a business, and, and supporting that? Which isn't evil, but why are you doing that yourself? Because that's a transformation of where you were. Yeah. And and that's a it's a very valid question because it's a question I ask myself sometimes why why did I do this uh, and, and it, I, I would say there's a couple reasons for it one is in my heart I really sense that God was saying Don here's here's what I'm calling you to do um, there was no doubt in my my heart in my mind that I was supposed to be taking care of these these orphans and widows for years I had led mission teams. Um, we've ministered in 35 different countries and we've built dozens of churches and orphanages and, and so forth. But I'd never, I had never been sponsoring them myself, uh, always building them and then leaving them for someone else to, uh, sure. to take care of. Dave, when, when I'm walking down the street in India and there's a, a woman, she might only be 25, 27 years old, but she's widowed. And I know the story on the widows in India. Uh, if, if your husband dies in India, it's considered the widow's fault. She brought bad karma. Hmm. Um, and, and part of that comes from the fact that she, when, when a woman gets married in India, first of all, it's usually an arranged, arranged marriage, and she goes to live with her husband's family as well. And so when he dies, they really have no use for this woman that they didn't see until right. the arrangement was made, you know, and the dowry's been paid, and so they've got their money. Right. And, uh, and so they're, they're put out on the street. There's no subsidy for them. Uh, they're just out there begging, trying any way to survive. And you see them sleeping in the ditches uh, underneath bridges at night. And, and, yeah, you're walking down the street, and they come up, they put their hand out. So what, what do you do, Dave? Do you just walk right by? Mm. Um, no, I can't. And, and so, you know, when I would see that, I'd go to India to do evangelism, play my trumpet, and, and yet I, I really sensed that God was calling me to more than that. And, uh, and then you see these kids on the street, and, that, yeah, they're stealing, they're begging, they're whatever they have to do to survive. But when you sit down with them, get to know them, they're, they're bright young children that have just never been given an opportunity. And so... Uh, I just took the plunge. I started sending money to support a few. And I, I don't know if you've ever tried to feed a seagull on the beach <laughs> uh, near the ocean. Yes. Uh, if you have, you know that you might not see a seagull around. All of a sudden, there's one, and you decide, okay, I'll give him a piece of bread. Next thing you know, you're being attacked. Yep. Uh, there's seagulls everywhere. And that's, that's kind of what's happened in India. Uh, we started supporting 40 orphans and, and 30 widows, or roundabout figures. Um, and now we're up over over 600. Uh, they just keep coming. And uh, I want to say no. I, I want to say this is it. But, you know, God keeps providing for it. 
Yeah. Uh, right now, we're we're sending out over twenty eight thousand dollars a month to support orphans and widows. Well, wow. and uh, and what people don't understand is they think I I play trumpet all over the world, so he must be raking it in. I go to any church, any place that invites me for whatever they want to give, and sometimes it's uh, fifty dollars, sometimes it's a whole lot more. I just never know. Uh, what's going to be coming in. We have people that support our ministry. We never know what's going to come in. In this time of COVID, we've lost thousands of dollars a month sure. in our, our monthly support. But every month, God touches a heart or two or three or four uh, to give extra. And uh, Kathy and I had had made a commitment that if if we had to ration and put the kids and widows in India um, to two meals a day, then we would go to two meals a day. Mm. If they were going to one meal a day, we would go to one meal a day. And uh, that, now for me, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I could probably stand to lose a few pounds, but uh, we haven't had to miss a meal. Yep. The Lord has been providing uh, every month miraculously. Just last week, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to look at the middle of the month and projecting sure. what's going to be needed. And, and a check came in from, from someone I met once and they sold their their funeral home and wanted to share the proceeds with us and a check for $10,000 wow. to help us through this month. What will it be next month? I don't know. But do you think God's going to stop? Right. Uh, I don't. And, and perhaps somebody's listening today that says, you know, I, I want to step up and, and really contact you and, and help you. Where would they find that info? Well, you can, uh, you can go to the website, which is DSM, like Don Shire Ministries, dsminternational.org. And uh, there's all kinds of contact information on that. If you want to contact me uh, directly, write me at don at dsminternational.org. There you go. <laughs> and that'll, that'll Now, get w- me. when you look at it, you're providing, um, you know, food and that kind of thing. But the answer long term for people isn't just feeding them. Yeah. So there's another answer there that you're working on as well. And how does that play out? You know, Dave, uh, the Indian government is very anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. And they come in and interview our children and interview the widows to make sure that we're not forcing them to become Christians. And, of course, you and I know we would never force anyone right. to make that decision. Neither can you. But when they see Christ, they can't help it. Right. And, uh, well, uh, it was a couple of years ago I asked the question to one of—we have five group homes for, for widows— in India, and at uh, one of them, I said, "How many of you did not know who Jesus Christ was before you came to our home?" They all raised their hands. I said, "How many of you now know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior after coming to the home?" They raised their hands, and not only do do they raise their hands, but Dave, the first one that wakes up in the morning, just starts praising God in hmm. prayer, and they, you know, this is a group home. They sleep on pads, dorm style. And so the first one awake just starts praying. And then pretty soon it's a chorus of prayer before they even get get out of bed in the morning. And they're they're known as the prayer widows. The neighborhood doesn't like them because of all the noise they make when no. they're when yeah. they're worshiping God. Um one lady got up and, and I've heard this many times from ladies. I, I like to individually sit and listen to them tell sure. their stories. And and I had one woman, uh, she said, Well, you know, my husband beat me. And uh, I was afraid for my life. And I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I, I ran away. 
and a couple months after that, he he, he died, and uh, I was on the street, and and no one no one cared about me. And she said, I I lived like that for about ten years, and finally one day someone told me about about your home, and I came here and and just asked them if they would would help me, and they they said yes, come live with us. And she said I came in, and she said I experienced something like I've never experienced before. And I soon realized it was the love of Christ that, that was living through them, and I wanted it. And she said, I would live my life over again and go through all of the pain, all of the torture, because not only did you give me food, you gave me hope for eternity. And she said, it's all worth it because of what you've given me here. And I've heard that from so many of the ladies. Uh, there was one lady who she said, you know, my, my husband uh, was a man of influence in our community, and we owned a lot of property. And, and as a matter of fact, one time we even gave some property away to become, become a, an orphanage. And um, she said, my husband died, and my family put me out, just put mm. me on the street. She said, I collected firewood. I collected wood along the, the streets and, and uh, would, would sit on the corner and just try to sell it just to get enough rice for the day. And she said, I did that for years. And, and then uh, she said, I heard they were letting some of the widows stay at the orphanage where we gave the property <laughs> and, and help take care of the children. So I came back and I asked if I could live here and they took me in. And she said, and again, she was one that said, and now I know Christ. And now I know why you wanted to start this orphanage because you love God. And, and God says to take care of the orphans and the widows. And she said, thank you for taking care of me. Uh, Dave, when you start hearing testimonies like that, you just want to do it more. Right. Well, you, you know, you're saying again, the answer is really Christ. And, and there is a physical need that yeah. you need to meet, so you get the opportunity. The, the physical need, obviously, is the tool. And God commands us to take care of widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. So we're just doing what God says to do. Because God understands that yeah, widows really, and orphans need help. It's really not a chore. It's no. A, it's a joy. Absolutely. And so you do that. And then the answer for transforming a culture is really Christ. Yeah. And, you know, that's what the Indian government is afraid of, is, uh, is that we are taking these children in and brainwashing them into following Christ. And, you know, you and I, we, we say, now, why would they give us a hard time? We're, we're taking care of these kids. We're putting them in school. We're, we're actually trying to see all of our, our orphans. It's 360-something orphans now in India. We're, we're actually trying to see them all through the university level if they want to go that far. And the government just looks at us as uh, we're, we're there brainwashing. Right. And uh, it's hard for us to understand, but I want you to think, Dave, you're, you run an awesome camp yeah. here. What if, uh, let, let's just say a Muslim group came in down the road and, and bought up 100 acres and started having summer camp and then started taking in the homeless and, and letting them live there and feeding them and sending them to school and university? How would the community feel? Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I can, I can see their perspective. And Dave, I have to admit, they're right. Yeah. Because I want to change India. Right. But for the better. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want to see India knowing Christ. You know, Jesus loved India so much that when he commissioned the disciples, one of them went to India. Yeah, uh, Thomas yeah. Uh, went to India, and I I've used that as an example when I when I speak in 
in schools and, and so forth, I, I say, you all, how many of you think that uh, Christianity comes from America? They always yeah. raise their hands. And then I say, you know what? Did you know that Christianity came to India a couple thousand years before it ever came to America? And they, they look at me like, what are you talking mm. about? And I, I tell them about Thomas. I tell them about how God loved India so much that he sent Thomas. And then I tell them, you know what? God loves you so much, he sent me today yeah. to remind you what Thomas was talking about. And Dave, we've just seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. Uh, <laughs> I had this wonderful experience in a, in a Hindu school uh, to be able to share Christ. I, I told the headmaster who was who Hindu, I said, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. And when I speak, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And he said, well, that's okay. We're a school. They need to learn about the religions of the world. So there just say whatever you want. <laughs> and so, so I did. And I even said, listen, a lot of you, uh, you, have, you have choices that you make in life. I said, some of you choose to study in school. Some of you don't study in school. I said, those that don't study, Look at the ones that study, because someday they'll be your bosses. Yeah. And I said, you, you know, you listen to your teachers. Of course, I got a big applause from the teachers. And I said, today I want to tell you about another choice that you can make. And I said, I believe in God's holy book. And I told them about the scriptures and why they mean so much to us. And, and then I said, and here's what Jesus, Jesus's words are recorded in this book. And here's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I said, you know, he says he's the only way. And, uh, and so you have a choice to make today. You can choose to accept his forgiveness and to admit that you've sinned and that you, you need his forgiveness. You need his direction in your life. And you can ask him to, to come in. You can receive him today. And, and I led them in a prayer. I, I said, bow your heads in, in respect for who he is. And I led them in a prayer and, and, uh, then I asked if you prayed that prayer today, raise your hands. And students from all over the school raised their hands, including some of the teachers. Wow. And then afterwards, the, the headmaster came up <clears throat> and he said, uh, I need to talk to you. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay. And he said, this is my wife. This is my daughter. Would you pray for us? Mm. And, and so we did. We prayed. I asked that the Lord would help, help him understand how much he loves him. And, and that he would understand the reason that, that Jesus lived on this earth and gave his life for, for his sins. And, and uh, so we had, a, we had a great visit, a great time together. And then afterwards, he asked uh, Pastor Prabhu, who, you, who you've right, met. Sure. Uh, he said, uh, Pastor Prabhu, would you come back here at Christmas time and read the Christmas story to all of our students? Very good. And can I come to the orphanage and celebrate Christmas with, with all of the, the children? And so that's, you know, when you, you start doing what God says and you just give someone a cup of water, <laughs> a cup of cold water, right. you give them some rice, you give them some beans, you give them a place to sleep, you give them clothes, you give them school, you show them Christ and there's a response that takes place. They want that. They want to be able to do that for others as well. And yes, we're raising children that, uh, that want to help their country. They want to help them by becoming good citizens, but also by, by sharing the love of Christ. Yeah. You know, I think we Christians need to understand we don't fight in a way where we're saying, boy, I, I hope we can win. We do win. We fight from the vantage point of knowing we already won. Mm -hmm. It's not our battle, and it will be won. And, and what we need to do is just be faithful and go out there. I mean, I look at your life or my life, it's like we're just 
couple normal guys that now are older that we're looking back on, look what God did. We got up every yeah. day and worked. You know, I mean, and that's what happened in the end. Look at all the different things that you are going on. You can sit down and say, am I qualified? And then and you can think of a whole bunch of reasons why you're not qualified. Yeah, I think God uses, like the Apostle Paul, the most unqualified people yeah. he can find. You know, one, one of the things, as you were talking, it reminded me of a, a time in our country even. We, what happens a lot of times is people universally are threatened by truth because it, it forces them, if it's truth, to change what they think. Yeah. And, and they've spent their whole life developing what they think. They don't want to change. Uh, when I taught school, I remember my uh, principal at one point coming. I don't remember the conversation exactly. But he came to me and basically said, um, you know, you, we don't want you. Because I would tell the Christmas story. I would tell the Easter story. Mm-hmm. It was a Jewish, kind of very heavily Jewish-oriented um, school, but it was a public school. So I would talk about all the Jewish holidays, too. And he came to me and said, you know, we don't want you to really teach the Bible in there, you know. And, and I remember I looked at him and said, so what in the Bible do you think would hurt our students and make them worse students? Silence. It was. And he goes, <laughs> well, that's not what I mean. I said, no, I'm asking you. You're telling me not to teach the Bible. So I want to know what about the Bible actually bothers you. He goes, well, that's, I said, do you mind if I tell you what the Bible says and so that you can tell me if any mm-hmm. of these things would hurt the kids? Well, go ahead. You know. <laughs> so I just, I, I just lifted off, off some things. I said, you know, if you, if you have your trust in Christ, you're a believer, the Bible makes it very clear that, that you should obey your parents. You should obey authorities. And I went on with a, a list, and, and, I, and I kept telling them, just stop me when I get to the part that hurts the school, would you? And, and in the end, he said, get out of my office. You know, I mean, that was the end of it. No, so no it, defense. He didn't want to hear it. Yes. But the, the problem really was, here he was laying down the hammer on religion or whatever it might be, but he had no idea what he was talking about. And the more that I informed him, the more he backed off saying, okay, that isn't bad things. Oh, you're right. I mean, what's really bad about taking care of widows and orphans? <laughs> There's nothing bad yeah, about well, exactly. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so somebody has to say, oh, yeah, we're not doing it. Yeah. Isn't that part of our, our thinking? Uh, are you in danger when you go down there? Because they, they don't like Christians in general. Um, you know what? I, I try not to think about it, but the answer is yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a very anti-Christ um, feeling in, in India. The government, the president of, of India right now, um, when he ran for office, he said, we are a Hindu country. and if you elect me, we will stamp out Christianity by the year 2020, which is almost over, by the way. Right. Uh, and, and he's doing everything he can to do that. There are pastors being persecuted. There are many um, charitable organizations that have had to pull out of India because India has frozen their assets and mm-hmm. their bank accounts, so forth. Uh, and they were in, as, as I speak here, uh, two weeks ago, they were in our offices going through our books, trying to find reasons to close us down. We don't know what the future How holds. do you get money to the widows and orphans? Well, I, I wire it from bank to bank. Okay, and, so you uh, actually wire to a bank in India. Yes, we, we, uh, we're not an NGO, a non-government organization. We are actually registered in India as DSM International India. Okay. And uh, so we're a charitable organization to do social work in India. They would not give us a religious Got it. Uh, status. And so as long as they can go through the books and see the money was spent on food and schooling and clothes and shelter and so forth, uh, so far they haven't 
come up with anything against us. They interview the children and they ask them, uh, and the widows, and, and they ask them, did, uh, did they make you become Christians when you came here? And none of them say yes. They, okay. but, but then they don't deny that they are Christians. Right. Uh, and so they, they don't like us. They're, they're not happy with us at all. And so uh, we don't know, Dave, how much longer we'll be able to be in India. It could be years. It could be weeks. No, and it's very possible that God put you there to get something going. And if, mm-hmm. if, if you're removed, that because yeah. of the seed that's planted, the, the root is already there. And well, the seeds are planted. And, and uh, you know, there is a, a strong church in India. Uh, it's interesting, amidst persecution comes right. strength. Right. And so there are pastors that are very, very uh, diligent about sharing the gospel. But in India, if you are a Christian, I mean, it's one of the questions on your job application. Right is um, are you, what was your religion? If you say you're a Christian, they won't employ you because you're considered uh, delusional. And yeah. if you're a pastor, you're, you're usually pastoring in a church of unemployed people if they're willing to stand up for their faith. And yet, through all of that, they do it anyway. They, they, they stand up for Christ. And so there is a movement. Um, there's a foundation there. And what I consider myself as is just support. Uh, we put children into the homes of pastors, and then we 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 treat it kind of like a foster care type system, where the pastor gets uh, gets a stipend every month sure. uh, to help support his family, as well as to help support the raising of the the orphans that we put in their homes. And so that's our way of helping helping the church. But see, we can't give the pastor money. We right. have to give the pastor the money to help shelter and right. feed and clothe <laughs> the orphan. Yeah, and. Uh, and so it's it's interesting how God now, has is opened different ever, doors. Is there ever a possibility of the church being able to support the widows and orphans? Yeah, it, I know you said it's a, it's a tough moment right now, but yeah, Dave, is the, that ever possible? The, you think? The, the church has been doing it for years, but they can't do it very well. Um, the the church the churches I'm involved with they they partner with us. They will take a rice offering every week. They don't have money. Right. And so they take they take an offering every week, and there might be rice, there might be peppers, their garden produce. People will give what they have, and then that gets distributed to the orphans and widows, and that helps defray some of our costs. Right. Um, but it's minimal. Yeah. Um, we have rice patties. The people from the church and the widows uh, go out and work those rice patties. So you do work that as far as trying to get them more independent. I mean, you're actually yes. working on as that matter fact, project. Matter of fact, right now we're starting a tilapia farm. Okay. in India, where they'll be raising fish, and not just for their own consumption, but consumption, but to be able to, uh, to sell it to the community. Right. So there's, yeah. you know, you, you, you do what you can, but the, ultimately it's all the Lord's ministry, and he's been doing this without us for years. It's a privilege that we get to do it now, and if somehow we're taken out, well then, yeah, that's God will win anyway. God'll you know, win. We, we're going to run out of time here for this segment, and so we're going to go uh, on to another segment. For okay. those of you listening, you can go to Relate365.com and download this particular podcast and the next one or others. You can go back and look. Uh, Don and I have done this before, so you can go look at some of the others we've done. And the next segment, Don, I want to talk. You have orphanages also in um in Honduras, Honduras and, and Haiti. In Haiti, yes. and I want to talk about. There's been some really rough weather down there, yes. and some other things. So I'd like to talk about what's going on, the status of things, 
And again, I, I want people listening saying, how do I get a perspective where I care? Because this is not touching me necessarily. So this is Dave Wager on Younger and Older coming to you from Relate365.com. Thanks for listening.